This morning we will study the second of two prayers which are recorded in the letter to the Ephesians. The first prayer is found in Ephesians 1, verses 15 through 23, and our second one is located in Ephesians 3, verses 14 through 21. In Paul's first prayer, his emphasis is on knowledge. Paul prays that the Ephesian Christians might have the eyes of their heart enlightened, that they may know their spiritual blessings. In this second prayer of Paul, his emphasis is on fullness. He ultimately petitions God that the Ephesians, verse 19, may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Someone has said that it is worth noting that both of Paul's prayers in his letter to the Ephesians deal with the spiritual condition of the inner person and not with the material needs of the body. This one continues, certainly it is not wrong to pray for physical and material needs, but the emphasis in these petitions is on the spiritual. And then that one says, too many of our prayers focus only on physical and material needs and fail to lay hold of the deeper inner needs of the heart. It would do us good to use these two prayers as our own and ask God to help us in our inner person. Our outline uh, this morning for studying Paul's prayer for fullness is as follows. First, we will look at the introduction to his prayer. Uh, what he says before he begins to pray. And this is found in verses 14 and 15. Next, we will look at the substance of his prayer or the request that he makes of the Father, the actual request. And the substance is found in verses 16 through 19. Then third, we will look at the conclusion of his prayer. What Paul says after he makes his request. And this is found in verses 20 and 21. The introduction, the substance, and the conclusion. Before we go any further with our study uh, this morning, uh, let us ourselves at this time bow before the Father and pray to him. Let us pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, 
This prayer is in your word for us to uh, understand and take and use in our own lives. It's not simply in your word to tell us that Paul prayed this prayer, but it's, uh, again, in your word for us to uh, use for your glory. And so, please, continue to be with us in your grace uh, today, uh, particularly now as we look at this prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to notice three things from the introduction of Paul's prayer. And the three things deal with uh, the posture, uh, the pattern, and the privilege of prayer. Introduction, uh, the posture, uh, the pattern, and the privilege of prayer. Posture. In verse 14, Paul says, For this reason I kneel before the Father. The normal posture for prayer among the Jews, I have read, was standing. Uh, in Jesus' parable of uh, the Pharisee and the tax collector, Luke chapter 18, you'll remember that both men stood to pray. Kneeling was unusual. What then is the practical significance of Paul kneeling here? Kneeling indicated an exceptional degree of earnestness. As when Ezra in the Old Testament fell on his knees to confess Israel's sins. Or our Lord Jesus in the New Testament fell with his face to the ground in the Garden of Gethsemane, an exceptional degree of earnestness. So Paul communicates to us that what he is about to pray is very important. It is not to be taken lightly by the Ephesians or by us. And Paul also says to us here that when we pray, we are to pray sincerely. We are to pray from our hearts. We are to be serious about our prayers. Let me ask, when we prayed this morning, were you serious about our prayers? Did you really enter into them? Did you pray with your heart? When you pray at home, do you pray sincerely? Scripture lays down no rule about the posture we should adopt when we pray. It's possible to pray standing, sitting, kneeling, walking, lying down. For now, I'll say, the important things are that we pray, and when we pray, we pray earnestly. 
we pray sincerely. After Paul, in verse 14, tells us that he is kneeling in prayer, he then goes on to tell us in the same verse that he is praying to the Father. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. In the New Testament, I have read, prayer is normally addressed to the Father through the Son and in the Spirit. That is the usual pattern of prayer there. And I think, therefore, it should be usual with us. You'll remember in the Lord's Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, that he said, this is how you should pray, our Father in heaven. Normally, we should pray to the Father through the Son and in the Spirit. But this does not mean that one can never address one's prayer to the Lord Jesus or to the Holy Spirit, or one can never sing a hymn, which I think is a form of prayer to the Lord Jesus or the Holy Spirit. We do find in Scripture petitions and praise addressed to the Lord Jesus. But once more, I think the usual pattern of prayer should be to the Father, through the Son, and in the Spirit. But who can pray to the Father? Who has this privilege? Anyone? Non-believers as well as believers? Non-Christians and Christians? Paul indirectly answers that for us in the last part of his introduction to his prayer. In verse 15, and by the way, I hope you do have a Bible open to the prayer that we're looking at this morning so that when I give you references, you can see these words for yourself. In verse 15, Paul writes, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Paul, I believe, indirectly tells us here that prayer is only the privilege of members of God's family. Only those who can call God their father, spiritually speaking, only those who derive their name from him, only those who are God's children through faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord can pray to the Father. Listen to these two verses in Proverbs chapter 15 about who can pray. Uh, verse 8, the Lord 
detests the sacrifice of the wicked. But the prayer of the upright pleases him. The Lord, verse 29, is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. Are you a child of God? Is God your heavenly father because you are trusting in the Lord Jesus as your savior? Then you have the privilege of prayer. Use it. Take advantage of it. Boldly pray on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Well, so much for the introduction to Paul's prayer. Let's now look at the substance of it. And the substance, once more, is found in verses 16 through 19 of our prayer. So have those verses before your eyes, please. There are actually four requests that Paul makes in his prayer. However, they, in my opinion, are not to be looked upon as four isolated, unconnected petitions. Rather, they are more like four parts to a telescope. Uh, the first request leads us into the next one until at last we arrive at the important end. I believe that what Paul prays here for the Ephesians is ultimately that they, verse 19, may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And the way he goes about it is to pray, one, that their inner person might have spiritual strength, which will in turn, to lead them to a deeper experience with Christ. Then this deeper experience will, three, enable them to apprehend Christ's great love for them, which will result in four, their being filled unto all the fullness of God. Let's look at, at each one of these parts of Paul's prayer for fullness. One, Paul prays that God would strengthen the Ephesian believers in their inner being. The inner being or the inner person is the spiritual part of us of us believers, where God dwells and works. What, know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? The Bible tells us that the inner person can see, hear, feel, taste, it tells us that the inner person must be fed and exercised 
The inner person must also be cleansed. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, Paul tells us that even though the outer man is perishing, the inner man can be renewed spiritually in spite of outward physical decay. Here's a person who is very much weakened, physically speaking, but you walk away from your time with that person realizing how strong that person is in his, her inner being. But what exactly does Paul mean when he prays that God would strengthen the inner being of the Ephesian believers? This. He prays that God would control their inner being. He prays that God would control their heart more and more. He asks that their spiritual faculties would be under the influence of the Lord God more and more greatly. He means that the Ephesians would increasingly be yielded to the Holy Spirit in their innermost being for his rule and leading. Let me put it this way. I have seen sports, a hobby, possessions, a job, more and more take over the life of a person. And you no doubt have as well. It more and more controls that person. Paul prays that the Ephesians, their hearts, would more and more be under the control of the Lord God. That's the first part of his prayer. It's not wrong to be more and more under the control of something, someone, as long as that someone is God. And once again, first of all, as Paul prays for the Ephesians, he prays that more and more they would be under the rule of God. So let me ask to make sure you're really entering into this message. How is your inner being? How is your heart? Is it more and more under the influence of the Lord God? Is it being increasingly yielded to the Holy Spirit? We ought to pray for that. Paul prays that the Ephesians may be strengthened in their inner being so that Christ may dwell in their hearts through faith. That's the second part of Paul's prayer. I've read that the verb to dwell literally means to settle down and feel at home. Christ certainly was already resident in the hearts of the Ephesian believers or else Paul would not have addressed them as saints in chapter 1, verse 1. What Paul 
is praying for next then is a deeper experience between Christ and his people. He wants the Ephesians to not simply have a surface relationship with the Lord Jesus, but an ever deepening fellowship. Charles Hodge has written, the indwelling of Christ is a thing of degrees. Paul wants his friends and brothers to fellowship with Christ in greater degrees. When I graduated from college, I went to Pittsburgh for the summer and lived with a family there in order to work with young people in a church. By the time I left, by the time I left to go on to seminary, I had become quite close to that family. Our relationship had grown and deepened so that I felt very much at home with them. Paul prays that the Ephesians' relationship with Christ would grow and deepen, that they would fellowship with Christ in greater degrees. And, my friends, we should also pray that for ourselves. We should focus less on the physical and material and far more on the spiritual. So pray that God would strengthen your inner being so that Christ might settle down and feel at home in your heart. Paul next requests that this deeper experience of Christ would enable the Ephesians to apprehend the love of Christ for them. Look at the end of verse 17 through the beginning of verse 19. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. The Lord Jesus loves his people deeply, immeasurably, beyond any other love that they have ever experienced. As one of our hymns puts it, no earthly father loves like thee, no mother half so mild. Paul now is concerned that the Ephesians would lay hold of this vast love of Christ for them. First, to grasp it in their minds, and then also to experience it in their lives. He wants them and us to dwell in the four dimensions of it. To know how wide and long and high and deep it is. Somebody has put it this way. 
Do you know that his love for you is so wide that it's with you wherever you go? That it's so long that it will never run out of patience whatever you do? That it's so high that it will take you to heaven one day? That it's so deep that it can take care of anything? Do you know that you never have to worry about anything because of the love of Christ for you? Well, Paul wants us to pray that as well, that Christ would settle down and feel at home in our hearts so that we might have the power to apprehend his love for us. And now the result of all this, once again, is that the Ephesians may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That is ultimately Paul's desire and prayer for the Ephesians. To be filled unto all the fullness of God means. Paul wants the Ephesians to experience the fullness of character and conduct and care which fills God himself. That's staggering, isn't it? Paul wants the Ephesians to experience the perfection of God. Being filled up to that fullness of God which human beings are capable of receiving without ceasing to be human. That's God's will for us. Have you ever had in response to your question, what is God's will for me to be filled to all the fullness of God that's possible for a human being? That's God's will for us. First Peter 1, be holy as I am holy. Matthew 5, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. That's what God expects us to be growing towards daily. As our inner man is strengthened, as we more deeply experience Christ, as we apprehend the love of Christ for us, God expects us to take on his fullness, his love more and more, his life more and more. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Paul says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. There's God's will for our lives. When I was a young minister, I became good friends with a fellow pastor. 
And this fellow pastor was a godly man. Uh, and he was a godly minister. And I wanted to be like him. I wanted his character, his conduct, his care to be in my life. Paul ultimately prays a prayer for the fullness of God to be in the lives of the believers in Ephesus. Do you know that God's will for you is that? Are you taking his life, his perfection? Are you taking and growing in reference to that? Do you regularly pray for that? This is quite a prayer that Paul prays for the Ephesians. And so we go back to seeing why he knelt before the Father in prayer. There is nothing trite or shallow or meager about this prayer. But can it be answered? Can God enable one to be strengthened in the inner being, to more deeply experience Christ, to apprehend Christ's great love in order to be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Paul, in the conclusion of his prayer, for those of you taking notes, this is point three, says three things concerning this question. First, he says yes. Yes, God can answer it. Verse 20, God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. When the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary and announced, uh, you will be with child and give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus, Mary replied, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel responded, nothing is impossible with God. Paul says to us about his prayer, God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Second, Paul tells us that God is able because of his power. That's also found in verse 20. The word that Paul uses in verse 20 for power is the word from which we get our English word, dynamite. God's power is dynamite. God's power is mighty. God's power is so great that with it he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given. God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine because of his almighty power. And third, Paul lets us know that God is willing to share his almighty 
power. Verses 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. In other words, he is willing because that will bring glory to him. He is willing because that will glorify him. Do you want your inner being strengthened, a deeper experience with Christ, to know the love of Christ in order to be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine because of his infinite power. And God is willing to share that power to bring glory to himself. So, Pray. Like Paul. Pray. Pray earnestly, seriously. Pray to the Father through the Son and in the Spirit. And pray boldly because you are a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, strengthen our inner being so that we might have a deeper and deeper experience with Christ and dwell in and revel in the love of Christ for his people in order to be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. In Jesus' name, amen.